You are listening to LibraryCast, your library podcast, with me, Jeremy Thompson-Smith, Somerset Library's Outreach Officer for the Mendips, bringing to you Libraries from Home. On this week's LibraryCast, we welcome Somerset children's author, Ian O'Neill. Ian, welcome to LibraryCast. Tell us a little bit about the book, Dancing with Leprechauns. I decided to, uh, to write this book probably about a year or so ago. I've written previous books about elves and fairies, and leprechauns have been included in those stories. But I wanted to write a story that's centred around a leprechaun. Originally, I was thinking about setting the story in Ireland, but it seemed to me that to, set, to bring a leprechaun to, to England would be interesting, especially if he was on his own. And the idea really started to form clearly in my mind one day when I sat on top of Glastonbury Tour, looking around all those lovely views. And there was a, a wood that I saw to the east of the tour. And I thought, if I was a leprechaun and I travelled all the way from Ireland to Glastonbury because of the magic, uh, that's where I'd live. That's where it really came from. And uh, I just find them fascinating characters, I suppose, with the sort of the Irish charm and the philosophy of life that they, they find the, the, the good, good side of everything. So without giving too much away, we'd love to know what the book is about. Give us a brief synopsis of the magic that is dancing with leprechauns. It starts off with uh, a young girl, Maggie. Uh, she lives in um, Glastonbury with, with, with her mum, single parent. And she's a little disappointed to, uh, to not be going with her best friend, an only real friend, to the family villa in uh, a Greek island because her mother's the only wage earner in the house. They don't have the money. So she's a bit unhappy about that. And in a bit of a huff, she takes her dog Murphy, her golden retriever that she absolutely adores, and takes him up to the top of Glastonbury Tour. And it's while sitting up there just daydreaming and thinking about what it must be like on a Greek island, her dog Murphy starts barking. And he's standing by St Michael's Tower and she can't see anybody around thinking, why is he there barking? And when she runs over, she hears a voice, but there's nobody there. And then Murphy knocks whoever it is over, and this leprechaun appears laying on the floor, not very happy. She doesn't really believe it at the time. She just thinks it's a bit bizarre. I mean, where did he come from? But as she goes away, she takes a dog back home and still not very happy with, uh, with, with her mum for not letting her go to uh, the Greek island. But she starts thinking about the, the, uh, the meeting with this leprechaun called Seamus. And decides uh, after a few days well we've got nothing else to do why don't I go to that woodly pointed out where he lives just to see if he really is there and uh, that's really the sort of what kicks the story off because she starts a relationship with the leprechaun. Tell us a little bit, bit about a day in a life of a leprechaun. There's the, the mythology of leprechauns is long been in Irish folklore and uh, I think I first probably come across them when I was in uh, County Kerry, which is the southwest of Ireland, many years ago on a holiday. And there's a lot of leprechaun pictures, and uh, you get these little postcards with little leprechaun messages on. And it just sort of start, started me thinking about it. I think, well, if, they, you know, if, there was, if there was a leprechaun, what sort of life would they be leading? They're creatures of magic, they're creatures of fairy. So they have magic. They can disappear, as Seamus demonstrates. 
but uh, some of the mythology talks about them uh, repairing shoes, which I don't think is true. And, and Seamus definitely says that, that they don't do that. And, and contrary to popular belief, they don't have a pot of gold either. So if you do see one, there's not going to be a pot of gold. They are very, very mischievous. They're very funny. They love life. They have great philosophy about life. Uh, they're creatures of nature. They love nature. And they're just great people to be around. So, you know, I look forward to the day when I have the same experience as Matt and that I can actually say my friend is a leprechaun. That comes through in the book. The relationship between a, a young person and a leprechaun is almost like a brother or a sister without the arguments. What I would like to know is, have you ever seen one in your dreams? I, well, I, I have because I've got a vivid imagination. I have seen that before. And I, I see Seamus very clearly. Um, in one of my previous books, I wrote about uh, a, a young boy who finds out he's an elf. Um, he meets leprechauns, but he meets them in Ireland. I sort of got to know where they lived in this little village in Killarney, which is up in the, uh, the mountains outside of the town Killarney in Ireland. The, the, the image that I get in my mind is uh, obviously they're always about a metre tall. Uh, they wear little boots, um, predominantly green just genial characters and uh, they are fun to write about so you know one day i'm hoping that when i'm up in glastonbury tour with my dogs that they might point out a leprechaun to me so continuing on the theme of magic there are pixies and dwarves as well and they don't get on tell me about the relationship between pixies dwarves and leprechauns because there's this kind of little bit rumblings going on between the three the, 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 the three beings in my history of uh, fairy creatures, the dwarf is a very, very uh, gruff type character. They don't, uh, they don't socialize with uh, other, other races and they have a particularly fractious relationship with the, with the elves um, and fought many, many wars over the, over the centuries. Um, and the dwarfs are used by the, uh, the, 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 the wicked character in the book as a sort of a, a fairy police to keep everyone in, in, in check. And uh, they are patrolling the woods at some time to make sure that the, the fairy creatures are not interfacing with human beings. Your book deals with many different things, but I also picked up very much on the relationship between Maggie and her mother. It's a very mm -hmm. close bond between them. The daughter looking after her mother that she can see is working very, very hard. Money is tight in the family. They don't have as much as some of Maggie's friends. On top of that, Maggie's mother is looking out for her daughter, who's very aware that she doesn't have as much as other children at her school does. There's an awareness also of other serious themes in the book, uh, which includes things like bullying, lack of money, and being a single parent. What made you decide to bring that into this particular book? I, um, I think in, I'm, not, I'm not unique in uh, I experienced bullying as, as a child at school um, for various reasons. Sometimes you weren't in the sort of the main gang of people for whatever reason that you were considered to be a little bit different. And I sort of saw Maggie because she lived just with her mother and she was a single parent. Um, and didn't have a lot of money. But Maggie uh, stood out in, in the crowd that she was with at school. And 
children being what they can be at times is they pick on the different the, the different person and Maggie doesn't have the latest clothes she doesn't have you know the the, the, the latest phone she um she does seem a bit different. I mean, to us as adults, we probably look at that and wouldn't even notice it. But, you know, at that age, especially when you're in your teens, those things suddenly start becoming important. And uh, poor Maggie comes across, you know, someone who's very, very wealthy, comes from a wealthy family, has all the, um, has all the things that Maggie can't have. And um, she, she uses an excuse to make Maggie feel inferior. And uh, But Maggie, in the end, I think... I, I see her as being richer because she does have the mother that really cares for her. Although Maggie doesn't sometimes appreciate fully, and I think she does go learn to appreciate. I mean, Maggie learned so many skills from a, from a mother that she wasn't even aware of, and the biggest one was survival. So at the moment, Dancing with Leprechauns is brand new. There's a manuscript. It's not yet published, but we'd yeah. love to invite you into Glastonbury Library where the story is set in Glastonbury Town to maybe present your book to us in the future? I would love that. I would actually love that. I would, uh, to be able to talk about my own book would be, uh, would be wonderful. And uh, I've done a few readings uh, for children in the child library where I live. And the questions from, from the kids were brilliant absolutely questions that I would never in a million years could possibly think of as an adult so and it makes you think more about the story that I wasn't reading my own story so I was reading another author's story but it was very very interesting and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it so I would be absolutely thrilled to do that. So it's a great time now to invite you Ian to share something from your book Dancing with Leprechauns Right, I've chosen, chosen a, a, just a couple of pages, and it's where Maggie's relationship with Seamus, the, the leprechaun, is starting to develop. He's helped her out, and uh, she's thinking of how perhaps she can help him find his way back home, because Seamus is, at this moment, stranded in Glastonbury, and he can't get back. Maggie had spent much of the morning thinking about Seamus's dilemma. He was stuck in the wood near Glastonbury, and the only way he could turn home by getting his gold coin back from this queen. Maggie sat on the bench waiting for Seamus. Murphy sniffed around the grass as she gazed out across the green hills. She'd found herself on the periphery of an amazing magical world that only a few days ago she would have refused to believe existed. She loved fairy tales as a kid, and often dreamed of meeting fairies in a wood. And now here she was, waiting for a leprechaun. Seamus had become very important to her, even though she'd only known him for a short while. He'd helped to deal with Maz, the girl who had overshadowed Maggie's life for over a year. And the way he did it was kind and gentle, in keeping with his nature. Leprechauns didn't believe in violence and would always use persuasive methods to handle confrontations. And now Maggie wanted to return the favour by helping him get his gold coin back, but she had absolutely no idea how. Good afternoon, Maggie and Murphy, and how are you both? Seamus jumped up onto the bench beside Maggie. Murphy abandoned his sniffing to greet Seamus. We're grand. Oh, sorry, I mean, we're both fine. I have you both talking pure leprechaun soon, laughed Seamus. I think it must be the Irish blood, said Maggie. Ireland's a grand enough place, right enough, said Seamus. It's greener than green, mainly because of all the rain, but us leprechauns don't mind as it's beautiful. My great-grandparents were Irish, said Maggie. Not 
that I ever knew, knew them. They died a long time ago, but I have a picture on my bedside table of my grandmother holding me the day I was born. I find it very comforting having her next to my bed watching over me. She died when I was very young, so I have no memories of her, although I like to think of her keeping a watchful eye over me. I'm sure she is, said Seamus, and I always think of my own mammy and daddy keeping a watchful eye over me too, making sure I don't get up to any mischief. Mind you, I got up to plenty of mischief while they were around right enough. Maggie smiled. She and Seamus talked together as if they'd known each other for all their lives. She found him easy to talk to and completely relaxed in his company. I would have loved to have known my grandmother. My mum often talks about her. They had a very, very close relationship. The Dancing with Leprechauns is waiting publication, but we will arrange at Glastonbury Library a uh, author visit. You have been listening to LibraryCast, your library podcast from Somerset Libraries, bringing to you libraries from home.